When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to Rockin' Nation Podcast. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We are in season six. I believe this is episode four. And we're here to talk about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program. I am your host, Sam Snelling. With me, as always, uh, except for the last pod <laughs> from the Plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt Harris, how are you? I'm fine. I made it back safely. Um, I'm grateful that. Watkins uh stepped in for me while we had a not like travel issues just a slight delay uh while coming back from the west coast a couple of weeks ago so thanks to Matt for the other Matt for stepping in and uh filling my my shoes quite easily quite quite easily well the good news yeah the good news about Rock Nation is uh if if one Matt falls there's always another Matt there to pick him up parents in the 1980s um, made sure of that when they named kids <laughs> We have we have a plethora of of mats, although really probably only two in the basketball side. But uh, I digress. Um, so you're 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 back. Things are back to normal in in Indiana. Uh, we're gearing up for basketball season. How are you feeling? Off, uh, feeling good. Uh, feeling like I would like uh, recruiting to wrap down, uh, so we can begin focusing on uh, preseason stuff. But it's getting exciting. Um, I bought uh the two. I bought two preseason mags, uh, uh, the Field of 68s, the Almanac, and I got uh, my usual purchase of uh, uh, the Blue Book or the, the Blue Ribbon Book. And so I started uh, digitally scrolling through those today, uh, started putting together the stat outlines for teams. It's uh, 
It's hard to believe in about six weeks we're going to have games, but we will, and that's that's always good. Did you uh, earmark all the, the teams that Blake Lovell was uh, covering? Uh, friend of the podcast, Blake Lovell? No, I just read through the SEC previews today. Uh, Chris Dorch channels most of those, but uh, I will find Blake's stuff at some point. I know I, I see Blake's name there, and, and I make mental notes. And, yeah, so uh, you shared the almanac um, with with me and uh, and the other Matt. And I poked around a little bit of, uh, with that. I have to say, I'm I'm not a huge fan of their SEC rankings. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're going to wind up being outliers. Um, for those who are curious, they had Missouri 13th in their preseason poll, but so did uh, Lindy's. So I, there's been... Well, so, like, you and I were kind of discussing before the podcast, like, one of the things that... Like I feel like it's pretty easy to to pick who's going to be at the top, right? Like the top four or five, maybe six teams. Yeah. There seems to be a pretty big consensus. You know, like everybody, like Kentucky's going to be good. Shocking. Um, Tennessee's going to be good. Seem to think, yeah, Tennessee's going to be good. Uh, Arkansas, they've got a top recruiting class, and Auburn and uh, Alabama and, bring back a lot of production, and so does A and M. So it's. Yeah, you know, so it's it's really to, to me the, the the challenge of of doing preseason rankings is not really kind of where you are at the top, it's it's where you are at the middle and the bottom. Uh and and are you able to sort of look at different rosters and be like, "Oh, like like this is a sneaky good roster." And we were kind of, ch- you know, chatting and obviously we're we're going to get into some recruiting and we're going to get into some SEC previews in later podcasts. Um you know, but we were kind of, t- you know, talking about like Georgia. Georgia was absolutely atrocious. Uh, in comes Mike White, and he does like a sneaky good job. Like, if you're not really paying close attention, a lot of people are probably assuming that you know Georgia is just going to get run over again because they've gotten run over pretty much every year that that Tom Crean's been there. Uh, but Mike White came in, kept like the the guys who were able to make a little bit of a difference last year. And brought in some some decent pieces. Like I don't I don't expect Georgia contend for like an NCAA bid, uh, but I I certainly think that you know they have a very very good chance and and maybe even likely uh, to to not play on Wednesday in the SEC tournament. They brought in the nineteenth uh, best transfer class in the country, according to Evan Maya, and you know bring back about fifty five percent of their returning production. I'm looking at it right now. They bring back. Offensive value, which is kind of like your catch-all term for everything, they bring back fifty-seven percent of that. Like, they, so they they don't lose a ton of, of you know minutes. They've got you know probably three of their top five guys back, and they went out and they found some nice transfers. You know, I think what we said was, is that a team that you know you're going to say a sneaky NCAA or tournament or NIT team? No, but is it a six or a seven win roster? Maybe, and. You know, if you're Mike White and you're coming in, you need to get some momentum going, winning six or seven there, lest you have enough kind of momentum to sell to some recruits. And Mike, for, you know, as much as grief as we gave Mike for being perpetually 10 and 8 at Florida, he recruited well. And it looks like he's doing well. He's getting good kids on campus there in Athens, which Athens is a very nice town. And there's, you know, Georgia's got a lot of money for good facilities and good staff. So if, if Mike can get them to six or seven wins and put together an, a sneaky good 23 or 24 class, he could get them back to respectability pretty quickly there. But it's 
Well, and, and he brought in uh, Asa Newells. I don't even know if that's how you say yeah, his first name, but Asa Newells, uh, like a five-star kind of you know combo power forward kid. Just brought his brother on as a as a walk-on. Hey, not a bad idea. Uh, uh, those that's a good idea. That, that's savvy by Mike. <laughs> that's real savvy. Uh, yeah. So, like we're saying, to me the I'm just gonna say, don't buy Lindy's. Don't buy it. It's the bottom of the rankings make absolutely zero sense. The, all the rankings make zero sense there, but that's what happens when you like. I do like the, I kind of average the polls in a lot of senses. Like I'll find thirty preseason polls, and there's going to be two or three where it just leave you absolutely scratching your head. And Lindy's is one of them. I I was surprised the almanac was as low on Missouri. As it was, I thought they might put him at like tenth or eleventh. I was shocked they had him at thirteenth. Um, but um, just no respect for Isaiah Mosley. We, we we should have uh, we should have Watkins on just to rant about that part. That that he was aggrieved on Isaiah's behalf, deeply <laughs> wounded on his behalf. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get around to that. It's it's you're you're in pounding away on the keyboard and clacking away and getting SEC previews done. So it's that time of year. It's it's a special time of year where we begin to think way too deeply about who's going to finish 11th or 12th in the standings. So, uh, but it's a great time of year too. It is. And the main thing that, uh, especially you, uh, kind of been focusing on, um, I'm, I always keep tabs, but I'm fully engrossed into, you know, preseason writing and, uh, and trying to also keep our football coverage stringing along. Um, is this recruiting stuff, which we have spent time on recently, but I, I feel like there's been a few twists and turns and probably the one that everybody is talking about right now, uh, is going to be Jordan Butler. Who's a, uh, four star post out of South Carolina, uh, had an older brother played at Florida state. Um, if you Remember, uh, Missouri's associate head coach, Charlton C.Y. Young, uh, coached and recruited um, Butler's older brother. And I, I so very early Missouri, you know, once that staff got assembled, they were they were talking with Butler. And it looks like Missouri is. Uh, or at least Butler is closing in on decision. I don't want to, you know, place where Mizzou is. Uh, so, so Butler released a uh, final list of three uh, just today. Today is the uh, Tuesday, September twenty seventh. Uh, we are recording this just before nine o'clock at night, and uh, the top three were Auburn, Missouri, and South Carolina. So the homeschool, your Missouri Tigers, and the Auburn Tigers, which uh, I, I I think a lot of people just believe is a little bit of filler, right, Matt? Yeah, that that's the indication I got from talking to a couple of people is that it's is they are, you know, it's it's a nice change. Makes of, the it's graphic a, look better. It's a nice change <laughs> of pace for Missouri not to be the one that makes the graphic look better. Uh, but yeah, uh, hadn't been to Auburn's campus in almost nine months. Um, I think the surprise here was that Florida State fell out. Um, <laughs> he was supposed to visit Florida State this weekend. That had been sort of a weird sort of situation. Anyway, he was supposed to go to Florida State in early September, but 
didn't because they were refinishing the practice floor and they wanted to supposedly watch practice. He filled a date on the calendar with a trip to Columbia. And then, you know, as with every visit, Sam, you never hear, man, that visit was a train wreck. There was all good, all good vibes coming out of that visit. And then like promptly on Tuesday, the next Tuesday, he like said, I'm going to go visit Florida state on October 1st. And you know, if you're a Missouri fan, that's, you know, that's kind of a buzzkill because you wanted to hopefully be the last pitch. And now you wound up being that that last stop there. Um, I'm surprised, you know, that family, from everything I've heard, you know, really values their connections down there. They, you know, they know everyone throughout that program. And, you know, they know they have deep respect for Leonard Hamilton. So I thought, you know, that they would get down there for nothing else than to give that staff a shot to do it. But, you know, I heard from somebody else within a day or two that, you know, you know, they're really tired of the process, you know, like a lot of kids, it's been two years of just constant, you know, you know, attention, you know, at some point that becomes more of a negative than a positive. So they, they were just tired of the recruiting process. They wanted to kind of wrap it down. So it sounds like that's what they, they got to here was they're going to, you know, rather than take one more trip, you know, to a place where they maybe aren't sold on in this particular recruitment, they're just going to begin to go into decision mode. Um, Butler told on three that he could have a decision as early as a week. I was, I heard that it could be a couple of weeks, but this thing's moving toward a conclusion and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the ultimate decision is. Cause I think South Carolina has done a really, really nice job of, of getting itself into the mix here, especially cause it, it had a, a really, really late start. Yeah. The, the South Carolina thing to me is a little bit weird. Cause it's like, you know, for, and I, I've actually uh, written most of my South Carolina preview, and I, I think a lot of people that, you know, Matt, who have listened uh, to us and, and, you know, read, you know, my stuff in particular, you know, know that I, I tend to kind of value a lot of the things that Frank Martin kind of brings to the table. And, you know, I think he's a really, really good basketball coach. And, and while he never really got South Carolina over the hump, like he did a good job there. Like it wasn't a great job. He did a good job. But one of the things that he really struggled with was in-state recruiting. After, um, after Thornwell, which, after, after Cinderius. Yeah, like like he, he was able to get Cinderius Thornwell, and that was sort of like, that was at the time, it sort of felt like the opening salvo because like, you know, Martin's, reputation kind of coming in was that he was a he was a really good recruiter uh you know he is one of the guys that that helped bring um i'm totally gonna blank on his name but yeah the the, the two top recruits that were at kansas state um, michael beasley beasley who was the other one though? i can't remember the other one but it was a point guard that came with him but yeah they i, I think what really changed too was after the FBI investigation, he had to get rid of a staffer who was sort of implicated in that and had been sort of his top in-state recruiter there. Um, I think Chuck Martin, who he brought in from Indiana, had some ties to the state. But they after 2017, they just fell out of the mix for a lot of guys. And South Carolina is a lot like Missouri in the sense that, like, when it's up, it's up. And when it's down, it's down a little bit there. But, you know it was sort of interesting that they weren't really ever in the mix for Gigi Jackson, you know, before, you know, Frank, you know, left 
and you know, it was well, if they were in the mix, they, they were, but I think there was the question of you know whether he was gonna have a job, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the butlers, I think, were were never really seriously. But, but even like like Zion, uh, I remember like Clemson, they were not even in they the picture weren't even for Zion. Clemson was the one that was in the picture. For yeah, him. it was Clemson. Every, like everybody thought that he was going to go to Clemson before he he pledged to Duke. Yeah, they've. I looked at this a couple of years ago. Like they, if it's been top guys since about 2017 out of that state, they really haven't made a dent there, and that's. You know, Lamont Paris has come in and, and made building a fence, you know, a priority there. I think in some ways it, the building the fence mentality is doesn't quite translate as much as, you know, it does in football. But if you're Paris and, you know, you've got talent in your state, you've got to rope it off, especially given the fact that, you know, Bruce Pearl's done a really nice job of, you know, raiding the Atlanta metro area to the detriment of Tom Green and and Georgia. You know, can you know Greenville, where the Butlers are from, is only like three or four hours away. I think so. They can reach into there. That's ACC country with Clemson. You know, you've got to do what you can to get talent and and keep it you know in state and keep it coming to Columbia. Getting Jackson was big. They've had a couple other in state commitments, but Butler was a guy that was a priority for them right out of the shoot. Butler's parents are both South Carolina alums. His mom played basketball there, and you know they've they made him a priority from the jump. And, you know, by all indications, you know, he likes the plan for them there. It's different offensively than what, you know, Missouri's pitching him on. But I think it's still the same things that are going to fit what he likes to do, which is kind of playing in some space, playing in, you know, certain perimeter situations where he can kind of play in the slot. He can spot up and he can make decisions off the catch. So there's going to be opportunities for him in both systems. And it'll just be interesting to see what direction he wants to go. Um, I don't think distance is going to phase him, you know, distance from home. But if there's a good situation and it happens to be in your home state, why not stick around and see what you can do there? Knows a lot of the guys that are committing there, knows Gigi pretty well. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what holds weight. There's, there's sort of that opportunity to, you know, do a revamp, you know, effort, you know, close to home. But, you know, CY has known that family for a long, long time. You know, even Dennis does well. You know, Dickie Nut, you know, knows them a little bit as well. So it'll be interesting to see which relationships win out here and sort of what setup wins out, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. And, like, I, I think about, you know, recruiting and, uh, you know, an in-state recruiting you know, especially as basketball, uh, and and you know, prep basketball sort of has completely moved away from, you know, the more kind of traditional, um, you know, high schools or so many so many more prep schools and basketball factories that are popping up and grassroots aren't just your metro area anymore. It's you know, surrounding states now. It's it's become far more regional and dispersed. You know, yeah, like it, it's it's spread out. You know, guys are. Uh, and instead of finishing out your high school and, you know, you same guys that you grew up with, uh, you, you go and you, you play with a, a prep school and you do online courses to kind of finish at high school. And, and that's even happening for like guys that are going to like the horizon league. Like it's just, uh, it's, it's completely changed the way that we look at, you know, how you, 
can seal up the borders of your state. Uh, and even to a degree where it's like, it, you know, as, as many know, I'm a St. Louisan. And uh, like, I, I feel like the shift away from uh, a lot of public schools and, and towards private schools, like it's just, it's completely different than what it was. And not that private schools ever had a problem attracting, you know, good players, but you know, if it really does feel like CBC and Shamanad, those those programs and, are uh, taking hits now. Like Shamanad got raided by Link Academy. Oh yeah, that is that is true. So like they're they're feeling that bleed, and so they'll they'll bleed away from, you know, like you know Parkway South or <laughs> to get into like regional, yeah, uh, you know, St. Louisisms here. But um, you know, it is just like one of those things where like you are looking to to treat your recruiting in a way that is more regional uh and and it and so for like it makes sense for Frank Martin maybe to focus on like the guys he feels like he can recruit and like that's an important thing is to know who you can recruit and so like you know Lamont Paris coming in and having this pitch of saying Okay, well, the previous staff didn't prioritize you guys, and it's like, well, the, maybe the previous staff didn't prioritize them, you know, because like they learned a lot of hard lessons, and so you you want to go out and get guys who you think you can recruit and compete with. Uh, but that being said, like you know, the Butlers being alums, like you should be able to attract, and like Aiden Shaw is a good example of that. Like one of the things that Mizzou had working for it from the start is Aiden Shaw's parents. We're both Mizzou alums. Um, you know, they're they're not far from campus. They are on the the KCK side of uh of Kansas City. So like, you know, they're they're smelling that foul air in Kansas. Um, you know, but they are grads, and so like that plays a role. Um if you have, you know, Jonathan Butler, um and the brother, what was the brother's name? It was John Butler. And if you've got, you know, John Butler who played at Florida State, you know, I, I, the way I would look at it is this. Way back in the day, an LSU assistant told me the most, what you need to consider in any recruitment is win. What's important right now? What's important to that kid, that particular situation? What relationships matter? You know, what factors are going to influence that kid? And, you know, the the way it was conveyed to me was, you know, the butler's going to look at every situation kind of holistically. They're going to look at everything involved there. And, but relationships also matter. So I think Paris could make a great pitch and can make a rational pitch, but they've seen what, you know, CY, you know, had in place for John Butler Jr., you know, who went to the pros after one year. I think he signed a free agent deal after his freshman year and going to the draft this year, but they've seen what that plan looks like. They kind of know what that plan looks like. You know, they've got that trust in that connection with CY. And, you know, as much as, you know, Lamont may come in and, and have closed ground, you know, are you ready to invest trust there? And, you know, being at home is, is a nice perk on top of that. So I think that's always the thing to keep in mind is, you know, what's important, in each situation to each kid and what those relationships are, you know, how it's going to, you know, how that will play out and how that sort of balance. Cause I think what we do is we look at it and we say, 
well, they're alums and there's that affinity and there's that connection. Whereas I think, you know, it sounds like the family's sort of evaluating everything and that's just one piece of the puzzle. It's not an overriding thing. So that's, that's always the hard part there. I think if, you know, we always sort of, I think, evaluate through a fan's eyes as to how we think it should go. And I think for a lot of kids that the variables are very different than what we assume they might be. So. Well, realistically, like that's kind of like how people should approach uh, your decision to attend whatever college. Um, you know, like proximity and, and in-state and affordability, like for a regular college student are certainly things that you factor in. Uh, you know, but if that isn't a concern and you don't mind necessarily being that far away, then, uh, like, I think one of the things, if you read the on three article where they were, you know, they were talking to him and asking him, you know, what he sort of liked about each school, like the number of times he mentioned in a really short paragraph about, you know, professional opportunities in the NBA was a lot. Yeah. And I think like, that's when you're, you know when you're kind of getting a, a, a key into Missouri's pitch is, you know, like, and it, it kind of extends back to like what Dennis Gates was talking about his introductory press conferences. Like we want to, we want to be there on draft night. Like we want to be at the table when that kid gets drafted and we want to, you know, give him a hug. And like, that's a, a Mizzou kid going in the first round of the draft. That's Mizzou kid going in the, you know, the draft lottery, um, you know, and being able to develop those guys. Uh, you know, it's one thing for you know, like Michael Porter Jr., who was always going to be a first round draft pick, he, even with his back injury, he was still a lottery pick, uh, you know, to, to show up on draft night and get get picked in the lottery. But it's a whole nother thing to take a guy who, like you know, with with Jordan Butler, who's right now kind of on the lower end of the four stars um, to take a kid like that, to turn him into a pro, you know, like, like that to me is, is where you can really start, you know, hitting some home runs when you're, when you're talking about recruiting. And I think, I think Florida state had kind of built that level of respect up when it came to recruiting. Yeah. And that's the one thing that Anthony Robinson, Trent Pierce both said, they, you know, you know, both of them said, you know, they, you know, they love the, they love the relationships they have with the assistants and the usual stuff you hear. They said they both, when they sat across from Dennis, they said they couldn't quite, you know, describe it, but they felt like when he was describing what the plan was going to be, where he was going to take them, they just felt like, yeah, this is real. This, this has, this feels more real than maybe what I've heard from some other places. And I think that that's sort of, an ineffable quality. That's a confidence thing. That's a charisma thing. And that's a, you know, command of what you want to do, you know, from the, from the head coach. But I think that that's going to be interesting to see how that translates. And if that's the thing that puts them over the top with Butler, but his recruitment is, is one to monitor, but I think it's, it's his recruitment sort of, I think we were talking about this before we started, it kind of puts a lot of the other context around some of the other events that we've seen over the last month. Because I think when we yeah. when we came into August, we thought, you know, Butler might be one of those guys that was kind of drifting away and out of the picture. And now, three weeks later, it seems like he's the guy that they're, you know, focused on. And they feel confident that they're going to be able to that they've closed, and at the end of the day, they're going to get him. So it's 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 sort of another testament to how the board 
is never really set and it always fluctuates and kind of mutates. But um, one of those is was yesterday um, when Michaela Rich committed uh, to Kansas State. He had had Missouri among his final four. He took a visit in late August, then went to Ole Miss, Kansas State, and then UIC a couple of weeks ago uh, for his last official visit. And right around the time, you know, he was getting ready to gear up for the trip to Chicago. You know, it started filtering around that. Yeah. It looks like this thing has kind of narrowed down to Kansas state and Ole Miss. And at the end of the day, you know, I think Ole Miss tried to get in yesterday to make one, one final push, but uh, Jerome Tang's crew wins it. But I think that that makes sense when you think, look at the timing of when the Butler, you know, visit was announced was around the same time that you started hearing kind of whispers that maybe Rich was looking elsewhere. And you know, I think Watkins heard from somebody that was pretty reliable for him that, you know, things had started to shift a little bit and Missouri was kind of drifting there. So I, you know, the question is, you know, that I don't think I, we've been able to confirm this is purely speculative on our part in reading tea leaves. But, you know, was there an effort to decelerate one recruitment to accelerate another one? I think that's that's sort of interesting to consider in, in all this as well. Because they also brought in um, Dennis Parker reportedly last weekend, although we haven't seen any evidence that he physically made it to Columbia. <laughs> Supposedly, Dennis Parker, another top 100 kid, a top 90 prospect out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. Kind of the same position as Michaela Rich but a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, more of a, of a physical match to what, you know, this Missouri staff kind of values in prospects that he was taking a visit. So if Jordan Butler's coming in for a visit and then the next week you're bringing in a guy who's at the same position as Michaela Rich, who had also been talking about how Missouri had ramped up its recruitment. He said those comments back in early September, you know, was it Missouri adjusting to the fact that they, thought they were drifting out of the picture for rich did they de-emphasize it it's just been interesting to see kind of how the last couple of weeks how the board has really shifted and kind of shaped up as we get to the end of the 23 cycle yeah so if you like traipse back to like a month ago um like and you just look at missouri and its class as it existed uh just the the two guys who've been on since early july um, with Robinson and Pierce, the one thing like that Missouri and and really the like the current roster needs is is somebody with with some size and, and a big, um, you know, Michaela Rich, for all the like the physical attributes that we like uh, and his sort of projectability and the things that you think he can be at the collegiate level, um, he's not a five. He's not a five. He's as much of a five as maybe Kobe Brown. Will is a point probably guard. play some five, <laughs> like, like he'll probably play some five, you know. But it's the if if he's running the five, then you you are probably having some rebounding issues. Um, despite you know his strength and athleticism, like yeah, that's just not what you want. You want him more at that three four hybrid spot. Um, and that's where coaches have been projecting so, him to is more of a wing than a four in college. I mean, that was sort of the thing when I talked to Mark Chambers a couple of weeks ago, the St. Louis coach, it was, you know, they played him at the four because they needed him at the four last year in East St. Louis. But the development plan, you know, with him and with, 
you know, the Jets, his, his grassroots team was they wanted to move him more towards the three, and it was improving his ball handling, improving his ability to make plays off the bounce. And that was something you know, he can slide to fours defensively in a switch, but the thought was that he was going to move more towards the wing once he got to college. So if you projected him as a three, then, you know, Missouri was looking at, you know, guys that were all going to be in the backcourt. They weren't going to have a big. So Butler to me, if they had really drifted out of the picture there, I think it would have been interesting because they would have had no fives left on the board in the fall. If Butler had, had really drifted out to sieve on them. So it's, it certainly would have been interesting if, if things had gone differently. Well, I think like, that's kind of like when it comes to projectability, like, you know, what's funny is, is I, I really kind of feel, and maybe this is kind of sidetracking the conversation a bit, but I really kind of feel like a lot of grassroots and high school coaches are always talking about like projecting, uh, you know, players up a position when in reality we're, we're always kind of projecting guys down a position. Um, so like, you know, Trent Pierce is a good example of a guy who really kind of works as a more of a traditional three, but in college, like he should be playing the four with his size, his versatility and playing the four, like you're not, you're not playing on the block. Like, and that's the same thing with like, with like Butler, like Butler, if Butler hits campus, he's going to play a lot at the five. And, but, you know, like guys like him and his grassroots coaches, they all want to want him playing like the four because like there's this, this, I don't know, this he played weird, five. outdated opinion of like what, what a five is. And uh, like he played a five Modiara should year. be playing the five. Like he, like these big, tall guys, it doesn't mean you're sitting your ass on the block. It just means that you're like, like that you're defending the other team's like tall player you're the, you're the uh, back side days. of the you're the back anchor of the <laughs> rim you're the low side you're the low man in help you rotate to protect the rim but with the way offenses work now you're going to play in the perimeter because you're going to get attacked in switches and in ball screens like you're right. you're going to play out a little bit there and you know butler will play at the five you know he played the five for his grassroots team he played the four earlier in high school because his brother was playing the five so they wanted to put yeah but he played the five at you know Christchurch Episcopal School. So he's played the five and he can post. He's not a bully post. He's more of a footwork face-up guy, you know, attack you with skill, but he can play on the block. But he's also a guy that if you put him in the slot and in certain situations, he knows how to handle a little bit. He can pull up a little bit. You know, he's not gonna blow by or explode by guys, but he's got the ability and the you know, comfort handling the ball to operate in space a little bit. And he makes good reads, you know, uh, you know, off the off stationary situations. He can hit cutters, so he's going to play out on the perimeter in college. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to not be wedded to the block. It's a question of who yeah. he's going to guard, and he's going to guard fives. But he's yeah, and there's no shame in that. There's absolutely no shame in that. The question, all I have to say to like anybody who has any shame, like they want to feel shame about it, is like Draymond Green plays the five. How tall do you think Draymond Green is? Probably six, seven, six, like, eight. Charles Barkley played the four uh, for 20 years in the NBA, and that dude is six, three and a half. Like, it's it it's so much like the if you're good, the game will find a way to 
to fit you in. And to me, like the what I like about Butler is his level of skill for as big as he is. So yeah, I don't really envision that he's gonna be uh, you know, a smash mouth bully ball old school post uh, you know, center who's just gonna throw throwing the ball with his back to the basket. Like that's just not going to happen. That's not how Missouri wants to play. That's not, it's not how anybody's playing. Uh, you know how, how Butler wants to play. Like, you know, he's going to be out and he's going to be saying ball screens. He's going to probably do a fair amount of picking and popping. And that's going to prepare him for the NBA. And I do think that, you know, kind of getting back to our discussion, uh, you know, I, I do think that either South Carolina and Missouri probably have a, a fair plan to utilize what he's good at to make sure that uh, he's getting he's getting professional looks. Yeah. The the rich piece here, I think he could have worked for Missouri in the sense that he, he does anything he's asked. He really does. You know, he's done different things every year of high school. His skill level is coming along, and credit to that kid. You know, he's not coming to Missouri, but that kid deserves all the praise in the world. That kid didn't have high majors really looking at him. You know, he was a bouncy kid who was, you know, an undersized four or five when grassroots started. And he had max schools and OVZ schools looking at him by June. He had Kansas state, Missouri, Ole Miss coming after him. That kid put in the work. He, he, you know, did what he had to do when the time came and he's going to go to a program and, you know, I think Jerome Tang's the right coach for him because they figure out how to use guys like him in, in Waco when he was at Baylor and on Scott Drew's staff. I think he's going to figure it out there. I wouldn't have been upset if he came to Columbia because I think he's got the right mentality and the right physicality, even if he's not quite the right sort of like height and you know wingspan maybe that you would see from guys that Dennis and CY have recruited before. But that kid plays his ass off. He does what he's told. He's athletic. He's tough. He would have found a way to to fill a role on this roster, but the roster needs a five. I, th- I think the roster yeah, needed I think a five. He would have been really good uh, at any of the the three high majors that were on his final list, like K State, Missouri, or Ole Miss. I think he's the kind of guy that you really kind of need at programs like that. A guy who can, who's positionally malleable, physical. do different things, who's who can cut, who's going to board, who can switch defensively. He's just going to find and a way to be on the who's yeah who's fine mate play, playing like 12, 15 minutes a game and uh you know and scrapping and and getting putbacks and stuff like that yeah but the one thing that'll be interesting to see is is the Dennis Parker recruitment you know how much traction is there there he had, did he make it to Columbia did he did he even make it west <laughs> <laughs> like he said like in the middle of last week he was going to Mizzou for the weekend. I saw no, f- and we don't we don't know that it happened. But I, I watched some tape of him, uh, bigger version of Rich. The the one thing I'll say is the handle's a little bit more advantaged. The finish, it you know, polished up. The finishing craft around the rim is a little bit more polished. Um, the shooting mechanics look pretty good. Um, you know, he's better off the pull up inside fifteen feet. But once he begins to stretch, the shot flattens a little bit and it kind of comes up short. But you know, that's you know nothing that can't be fixed with time in the gym and on the gun and with a good, you know, staff working with you to kind of help translate your shooting stroke a little bit. But uh, he's not as much of an on-ball guy, but he's a really, really good off-ball defender. Um, People I know love watching 
and really taking note of when guys rotate on time and rotate to the right gaps or understand when to when to X out and when to just to close out straight. Like the guy is fantastic off the ball, plays well within a team scheme, really good still rotating down and rotating over. Um, probably not as much like raw explosion, but he gets off the ground. He's got good length. He can rim protect um, agile enough and kind of has enough, you know, kind of, you know, flexibility and agility to kind of play in ball screen situations. So really, really interesting. He's going to be a guy that you would take and you would hopefully develop over a couple of years and, and, you know, kind of flesh out his offensive game, but he could come in right away, you know, understand how to cut, understand how to play team defense, six, 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 seven, one eighty. Looks like a plus two or three wingspan. Ticks a lot of the boxes for the staff, but um, had been considered an NC State kind of like lean for a while. Went to NC State, you know, in early September. That was seen as their chance to close him. They didn't, and then he was taking a visit to Missouri. So is he just using the visits? And if he is, good for you, man. You only get five of them. Take those. It's free trips. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no, but. Or is this a situation where, as we saw with Trent Pierce, where Missouri kind of sneaks in and then it rapidly accelerates and suddenly it's gone from, oh, you're just listening to, I want to commit. We don't know where it is, but um, Parker fits a lot of what the staff likes and what they value in prospects. It's just a question of how serious and how viable his recruitment is at this point. Yeah, that's one of those things like we're just going to have to wait and see if the visit actually happened. Uh, you know where Missouri is in the picture. Uh, it does seem to me like, like so. You know, we've talked a lot about Chris Parker. We felt really good that Missouri was going to land Chris Parker, but that decelerated fast because one, and I believe you and I said this uh, on a previous pod. Uh, let's wait until he gets onto campus. Um, Parker has still not made it to campus. Uh, and until he does, like. Missouri is either really trying to slow play him uh, or they're just happily going to let him go someplace else. And he was just on campus at UCF, picked up a UCF offer. So there is some possibility that, um, you know, a guy that you you and I both sort of like as a prospect, but definitely one who's slid down the rankings a little bit. Um, Like he's fallen off and uh and so maybe missouri has move on, uh moved on excuse me yeah, but see why i was down there visiting them when they were doing the rounds yeah, last week so just just popped in randomly okay yep yeah. so <laughs> you know i think it you no know, i said before we came on they know they have three spots they've got to fill because they have three guys that are leaving and they need a <laughs> they need a big so just is it a question where they've let parker slide or they've kind of said, hey, you know, we're going to be interested. We'll get you to campus when we can. And, you know, they're just all in on trying to get this Butler thing sewn up. But if it were me and I knew I, you know, had three or four slots open, I would take him just because you need to upgrade the overall talent of the roster. And, you know, I don't know if he's more of a combo or more of a wing, but he's six seven, long, rangy, really good getting into gaps, you know, you know, Turns over the gears really well on the open floor. You know, shot selection's got to get better. Got to clean that up. But there's a high ceiling there. If you can get him in the gym, you can get him focused and get him sort of going the right direction. But we'll see. Um, 
I, I had heard that it may not be until like November that he may try and get here, which that's that's around signing day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's waiting until the last minute and seeing if you can you can postpone uh, a guy you think you've already got in the bag until the last minute and see if you can maybe upgrade in the meantime. But it's but John Bull made it to, uh, to campus. Gotta get gotta get John Bull. I that guy is just tools. He's all get out and. I know the offense needs to happen at some point, but that guy's just fun to watch defensively. Just competes. He could pr- he could probably erase uh, as much of the opponent's offense as he could, uh, you know, create on his own. He's only side. been playing basketball you know, for like just... two or three years. Walked on, played up a level on the EYBL with the with Mocan, which is won the EYBL basically three times in the last six years, played 50% minutes, and had a block rate of 10.5. Just swatted shit. Defensive rebound. Just rebound rate of 23% on the defensive end. I know he's not, you know, he hasn't fleshed out his footwork in the post. I know he's got to get better offensively, but you put the kid on the floor, and he rebounds his ass off, and he erases shots. And if you put him in rim-run situations, if you hit him as a guy on lobs, whether it's rolling or in the short corner on dump-offs, he can give you six to eight points off low usage, high efficiency touches. The guy averaged 1.4 points per possession. When he gets the ball in his hands, it's usually in an advantageous spot, and he does what he's supposed to do with it. So... Um, definitely a developmental guy, you know, as close to an in-state kid as you're going to get, um, you know, with his, you know, guardian Marcus Wilson, you know, being from St. Louis, but Marcus is now on staff at Evansville, but he's, he's not from St. Louis. He He was in St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Uh, Wilson was on staff under Rick Majerus, I think. Yeah. And, uh, when that staff turned over. Uh, he stayed on in St. Louis. I think he was like a regional YMCA director for a couple of years yep. and like helping out uh, with some grassroots programs. Yeah. Um, but has since accepted a position at the University of Evansville where he is an alumna uh, there in Evansville. And uh, he was quite a good college player. Yeah, I think he's... don't know. But. Yeah, I think... And David Ragland, who was a butler assistant for a while got that job and brought him over to Evansville. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where John uh, ends up. He's taken an OV, another visit to uh, Michigan. I think he took some unofficials to Butler and to Notre Dame, but big to get him on campus right now, especially, you know, given that, you know, Marcus and Zoe were close, you know, and the question was, you know, what would happen if a new staff came in? They prioritized him. They got him on campus as a junior. That's huge. Um, and again, you know, I feel like we talked about measurables more with this staff than we did with the last one. John Bull is, man, if that kid's not a Florida State type kid, I don't know what, what is. Like, I'm surprised Leonard Hamilton hasn't sold out to try and get that kid. He fits it. <laughs> like, that's. Hey, maybe he has. We just haven't seen it. Just so. haven't seen it. But uh, big to get John Bull on campus. Um, that's that's a guy that, you know, I, I, I personally, I think him and Marcus Allen are probably my two guys that I would have atop the board in the 24 class. I think 
both of those are are guys that you know fit what this program wants to wants to do and kind of the profile there but we'll see but um happy that john made it here <laughs> uh a lot of guys wearing number 11 in photo shoots they're gonna have to sort that out only one guy can wear it when they actually get here <laughs> only one guy gets to wear number 11 but yeah i, I always kind of find that funny like they you know especially at I think you had kind of pointed out that somebody was wearing like Amari Davis's <laughs> uniform and you're like, can we like, could somebody not take the last name off the uniform? Like, I don't understand. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? We can't have just like a generic uniform. These guys can put is the, on. Is the Nike, is the Nike deal that, that cheap that we can't just get fashion outfits for, uh, for uh photo shoots. But yeah, there's, yeah, we, we Clearly need to to up the winning in the program to get like on the high end of like the Nike turnover. Also get rid of those uh, hideous uh, flames, as Watkins calls them on the uh, on the uniforms. The only other recruit the shorts. The only other recruiting notes is that they've got um, another kind of packed weekend coming up. James Brown, a top fifty kid in twenty four, a uh, post out of Chicago, is slated to visit this weekend. I feel good about that, Matt. That that is. He's very good. Um, play- you know that I would now. I know. I'm just going to keep going here and just <laughs> not even acknowledge this. Um, they all- I feel good. That, yeah. That sounded like you were 13 again, and I don't ever want to be exposed to that. Um, I just, like, if 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 Levi could, like, uh, you know, have a little James Brown in the background while, while we go back and forth on this, like, this would be great. That's great podcasting i mean i don't think we can pay the rights fee to use that song in the pot we don't have that in the budget hey you can if it's less than 30 seconds fair use just let me say that dallas thomas is coming to campus and he's very good (laughs) he's very Dallas Thomas is coming. That's a another kid that you know is looking like a top. He's slid in the rankings a little bit, but that's a top sixty level kid. And then a guy that's kind of flown under the radar, but took a Tennessee visit. Jordan McCollum, another long, lean, kind of three four type out of uh the out of Harriman, Tennessee, which I think is around Nashville. Uh, he's coming in this weekend. So three twenty twenty four visitors uh, slated to be on deck um, for Friday night. Um, and, and Samuel Mpemba for those that follow, uh, uh, Mizzou football recruiting, uh, he tweeted that he's coming, uh, after all this like hubbub about Luther Burden, um, you know, leaving cryptic Instagram posts or something like people need to chill out, but Sam Mpemba is coming, but where you need to be going on Friday night is to the quad, uh, for the, uh, basketball tip off event. This sounds fun. It sounds creative. Uh, I support both those things. If it doesn't go perfectly, that's also fine. But go watch people and watch Aiden Shaw try and dunk around the quad because that's fun and you should laugh at the absurdity of things like that. So go out. For- I would 100% think it's worth to just to go see how athletic Aiden Shaw is. If like- you haven't seen it live, it's worth it. <laughs> it it's, 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 it is really like one of those things like when you – it's it's easy to be impressed on video, but when you actually see it in person, it's easy it's, bounce. It's hard, it's hard to believe that another human can do those things. And when I say easy bounce, 
I'm I mean it looks like he's barely lifting his heels when he gets into lift off. He he gets up easily. Easily. Go watch it. It's fun and you know it'll make for a great atmosphere. You should want more of that around the basketball program. Um and just in general, I don't know how long the and plus I don't know how long they're going to want to keep the kids on the field for Georgia Missouri on Saturday night. Hopefully they just watch a little bit of that and they go eat dinner somewhere and just let the rest of the football game play out. But uh, three uh, big recruits coming to town this weekend. And again, it's big to get someone like Dallas Thomas on campus. That guy's going to be a priority for Arkansas. James Brown is going to be a priority for the likes of Michigan state and Illinois, you know, and Jordan McCollum's an underrated kid. I I think he's going to move up in the rankings, uh, you know, as time moves as you know, the, Months move ahead and, and you know he gets out on 17U next year. So this is a good group. It's a win to get these guys on campus this early. If you care that about this staff, you know, making inroads, this is the type of stuff you want to see. It doesn't guarantee they're going to get anybody, but you know, if you want to feel like the one thing you can do is contribute to an atmosphere, just go watch basketball. Just go do that. That's fun. I would do it. So that, that and that's my polite encouragement. It- with with Dallas Thomas, there if there's any chance you can uh, you know give Eric Musselman a swift you know kick between the legs with uh, some in-state Arkansas recruiting, more power to you. It's fun. This that's the fun. <laughs> I like. I don't know if there. I would love it if basketball recruiting became the flashpoint of that rivalry because you know they. You know, they managed to pluck Trevor Brazil off the roster here. If Missouri were to return the favor and go get Dallas Thomas, that would equally be great. And plus, Dickie Nutt, you know, drove around the Rock metro area, got off 630 a couple of times at Central Park View and at Little Rock Christian to see uh, four recruits down there last weekend. So if Missouri and Arkansas want to start going at it over basketball recruits, I'm all good with that. That'd be a fun little wrinkle uh, for the yeah. for the new regime. So. Well, so we're going to wrap this up because we are, uh, I think we've actually gone well past what we expected. Um, so with everything uh, behind us now, and, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to kind of, I guess, hopefully know where Jordan Butler is going to college. Um, I will say thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure that you are blah, 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 subscribed to this podcast feed. Uh, wherever you download most of your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store, you can get us on Spotify. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like before the box score has kind of been uh, like killing a little bit. Uh, Nate and BK had had on Parker this past weekend. Um, they've been doing uh, a fair amount of uh, good discussion on some some crappy uh, things going on with Zoo. So it's always good to listen to. Make sure that you check that out. Uh, head over to the flagship rockamnation.com. You can always follow Matt on Twitter at MattKHarris85. You can follow me at Sam T. Snelling. If you are into recruiting, definitely follow Matt. He's uh, he's doing his thing there. And then we'll be back in a couple weeks. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll have a guest. We'll see. Until then, thank you.